we're concluding a series today that we've called Summer Revival. And uh, Pastor Jadab uh, kicked it off with a message on revival and what that's all about. And I can't pronounce the word. Revivere? Is it? Got close? Okay. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot super straight with you guys. Are you guys okay with different? Like, yeah. this is not going to be a normal message. Yeah. All right. We good with that? Yeah. All right. I knew you guys would be game. I kept, two months ago, I wrote down in my little note area that where I kind of jot down sermon ideas about what I thought God wanted to speak on today. And I'll battle with it because it's a hard subject. Um, and I kept trying to get away from it because I'm like, there's so many other flowery, you know, wonderful, easy things to talk about that my flesh was struggling. And this past week, even, um, as I was trying to cram this message into a sermon box, it wasn't fitting. And I was frustrated, just to be honest with you. And I was pacing in my office, and I was praying in the Spirit, and I was just like, God, what? Like, did I miss it? Is there you know, something wrong with me? <laughs> like, what's going on? And he, he just spoke so gently to me. And I, and I was saying in that moment, God, I, I can't make this fit into a sermon. And he said, Mark, just tell my kids what I told you. And so that's what I'm going to endeavor to do today. And, and I want to cue this up by kind of asking for some grace from you, because the topic that I'm going to share from today is on pride. And let me just tell you, if you've never taught on pride or preached about pride, God takes you through a process, if you'll allow him. And this, for me, has been about a two-month journey. of, And I'll be honest with you, there was a moment in there when God first started kind of giving me the thoughts for today, and there's a specific word I'm going to release over you in this message uh, that's for all of us, that I, was, I said to myself, well, God, I think I'm a pretty humble guy. And God said, there's the problem. <laughs> So I want to challenge you not to disqualify yourself from this. Um, and this is what I want you to do. This is kind of the burden, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this up, and then I'm going to bring you home at the end. Is that okay? All right, I'm going to set us up. Don't tune me out. The tendency, guys, when we talk about pride, the enemy doesn't want you hearing this. Pride is the only sin he does not make you feel guilty about. Right? He wants you prideful. Because if he can put pride in the way, he can keep you from every other truth that he has, that God has for us. But I want you to take a little bit of an inventory, if you will, and take a look at maybe some of you have felt like you're unable to move. You've been kind of stuck in place or running in place, unable to move meaningfully forward, maybe even slipping backward, and you can't figure it out. You're frustrated. This last year for all of us has really contributed to that because we've gone through about a year and a half of, of isolation and having to really, almost against our will, being forced inside, self-focused, looking at ourselves and having to, and some of that was necessary. We had to take care of our families and we had to do all these things, but the byproduct is that it's forced the church. I'm more talking about the church because we expect culture to do what culture does. Um, but we're talking about the big C church. It's forced us inside. It's forced us to be selfish, 
um, unintentionally. This isn't condemning, guys. I'm just, I'm talking about you from this perspective of what God has been working on me. So like, I'm putting myself in your seat today, okay? I'm not, sometimes what irritates me is, you know, when I've heard this preached on, it's coming from this prideful condemning perspective where it's very difficult to receive, right? Like the guy that's speaking has it all figured out. I do not, <laughs> okay? But we, this is where the burden is. We've got to listen to the Holy Spirit today because you're going to want to disqualify yourself. You're going to want to say that doesn't apply to me. And what I promise you is it applies to every one of us in this room. Amen? Amen. Look, I know this is a little heavy today. All right, I'm going to do my best to, to guide us through it, but I'm going to need, I, I, this is not a flowery sermon. I don't have a bunch of cute little props and I don't, this is just going to be truth. Can you handle the meat, the truth of the word? It'll change you. I promise you this, because I saw this in my prayer time. If you will lean in with me, you will leave different. Amen? So as we begin, I want you to take a quick inventory of the areas of your life. I want you to look at your financial life. I want you to look at your career, how things are going spiritually, your relationships, your purpose. Why are you not gaining ground? and your finances? Why is your marriage in trouble? Why are my relationships with my kids disconnected? Why am I seemingly at a checkmate in my career? Maybe like so many over this last year and a half, you've turned to, to addictions or substances or other things because of the, the frustration, because of the isolation. No shame, but this has been the fruit of this last year and a half for, for many of us. Amen. Maybe for you, everything seems like it's okay on the outside, but on the inside, there's this dissonance and there's this frustration building and you can't figure out why. Why isn't it working? Why can't I grow past this point? What's the holdup? What's the lesson I'm supposed to learn? What's the dragon I'm supposed to slay? How do I get to the next level? Am I talking to anybody in this room? Yes. Amen. I, I thought I was. It's good to hear. Today, I believe we're going to answer that question for many of you, and we're going to move forward from today. The subject, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about is pride. And the first verse that I want to share with you that I'm going to come back to throughout this, this message is Proverbs 16, 18. And most of the time it's misquoted because most people think it says pride comes before a fall. That's not what it says. It says, pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride, hear this, key for today, pride leads to destruction in every area of your life. If there is pride, it will lead to destruction. Maybe it's not finished in its destruction yet, but it like cancer, like severe cancer, it eats away and progresses until it destroys. That's what cancer cells do. They're out of control cells that can't contain themselves and they take over the cells around them. How many listening today would say that you have pride problems? It's a trick question, guys, <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> if you don't raise your hand, your pride may be showing, <laughs> okay? All right, I titled our talk today, I don't know what to call this, it's not, it's a message, it's a talk, it's a mess sermon, whatever. We're going to call it Eye Trouble. Eye Trouble. You could subtitle it, Where Revival Must Begin. 
where revival must begin. Let's pray. Father, we give you this time. Father, we block out every distraction. We take authority over any demonic presence that would try to pull our attention away or distract away from your word today because, Lord, this is the message from your heart to us today. We lean in, we listen, and we commit to apply this to our lives and to move forward with you today into greater destiny and purpose as we apply your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, how many have ever had an eye exam? That's my first talking point, eye exam. All right, you're the optometrist. If you're like me, you grew up with, uh, I remember Dr. Jessup. I don't know, anybody else have Dr. Jessup growing up? He was here for a long time. But he was the driest man on the planet. <laughs> like many optometrists that I've met. I'm not saying they're all that way, but my experience has been. Uh, but Dr. Jessup, he was that, that guy that as he was flipping the little thing and making it clear and fuzzier, he'd go, Mark, is that better or worse? Getting clearer, getting better. Is that better or worse? <laughs> and we did that for 20 minutes until I gave up. <laughs> or <laughs> but in a similar way, what I want to talk more about today is our spiritual vision. Um, because pride will blind you. How many know we can't see our own pride? The enemy makes sure of it. That's why we don't feel guilty about it. Because for a lot of us, the way, the way to our repentance came through conviction of the Holy Spirit. It came through humility in a way where we could, we, that thing that we did, that addiction that we had was clear. Like we know that is not of God and we repent before God and it produces humility in us, right? With pride, the Pharisees who spent their entire lives memorizing, pontificating, you know, standing on the squares and promoting their religious pride, that's the, the source of that for them, was it was totally lost on them. They were literally walking around with Jesus, persecuting him, the very one that they thought they were serving. And so pride, is it goes undetected sometimes. Just a reminder, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short. This is all of us, right? It's no respecter of persons. The enemy doesn't care um, because his goal every day that you wake up is to see if he can find a way to slip in a little more pride. It's the original sin, and we'll kind of cover that to kind of set things up. But can we all agree we live in a very sick, pride-filled, narcissistic world? Yes. No surprise to anyone. Um, the culture is saturated by such terms and ideas as self-love. We have a pride movement. We have a pride month. Me too. Woke culture. Um, people saying I'm living my truth. My body, my choice. We have cancel culture. If I don't like it, I'll just erase you. Just do whatever makes you happy, Mark. Just whatever makes you happy. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters. Relative truth, I'm living my truth. Offense, if there's ever been a day in the world that we have issues with offense, it's today. Offense, guys, is pride. Offense is narcissism because it makes everything about me. A quote I heard recently from Dan Moeller, you can't be offended if, you're, if you've already gotten over yourself. 
don't know about you, but I need to get over myself sometimes. Like, right? We got to get over ourselves, guys. Aren't you glad that Jesus on the way to the cross didn't decide to practice self-love? Aren't you glad that Jesus on the way to the cross didn't decide to live my truth? Aren't you glad that on the way to the cross, Jesus didn't decide to enforce the my body, my choice position? Guys, again, the, these movements are not all bad. I'm not preaching against them. I'm just talking about our culture. Everything's turned in. Jesus was turned out. What I want you to get from today is this, this issue of pride forces us in, and we've got to get out. We've got to get out of ourselves. We've got to get over ourselves. Amen? We've got to get over ourselves. And if, if you can just, I know, you know this is going to be a little different today, but if, if I can just keep you connected, what we're talking about today is dealing with pride in our heart so that we can carry out the kingdom assignments that God has for us. Because this last year's produced us disconnecting from service of others, disconnecting. I, I was meeting with some pastors a couple of weeks ago at Gateway, and we're all having the same problem in our churches. And it's not an, this wasn't a condemning conversation. It was just a, a reality conversation where you have a church of, you know, whatever the size is, because I was around all sizes, where they have serve teams that only about a third of the teams are serving. And I'm not condemning you if you're not serving. Hear my heart. This some of that has been necessary medically, and there's, there's all kinds of conversation around that. But I want, the point is, the fruit of this last year and a half has further kind of saturated us in the culture of the world, where we're not about others, we're about ourselves. And that is not Jesus. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. It's Antichrist. We have got to get over ourselves. Amen. Is this too heavy? You guys okay? You with me? All right. All right. Our culture is led and fed by pride. pride pride's origin story. Anybody Marvel fans, you like backstories, origin stories? Um, most of you know this, but sin did not originate on the earth. It originated in heaven. And... We, we kind of find part of that account in Ezekiel 28. I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I just need to connect you to the context for why this is so critical. Lucifer was in a position of power among the heavenly angels. He was called the morning star, the worship leader of heaven. He walked on God's holy mountain. He was anointed to serve God as a member of the guardian cherubim. He was among the highest rank of the angels and God's heavenly host. And Ezekiel 28, 12 is the account of his story where it says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord, you were the seal of perfection. Some people want to argue that this isn't talking about Lucifer, Satan. I ain't got time to go into that theology, um, but it is. So uh, that's my conviction. I'll let you sort that on your own. I think it's pretty obvious when you read the text uh, what, who God's talking about here. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. 
the sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes, he was the worship leader, were prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherubim, cherubim who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Like us, Lucifer was a created being with a free will. Till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence and sin. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. We certainly see that in our culture today. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled the sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever." That's the harshest language you're going to see God speak in. What I need you to connect to from this story, God, guys, is that Lucifer missed out on his destiny, and he wants to steal and kill yours. He has one mission. And if he can keep you in a sterile place, he doesn't even mind if you go to heaven, as long as you don't do anything for the kingdom. That's hard, but it's true. At one time in my life, I was deceived into that place. I was ineffective for God. I was saved. I believe I was going to heaven, but I was doing nothing for the kingdom. That's part of our challenge today. I want you to feel with me. Pride always leads to destruction. Pride in marriage leads to destruction. It's a slow fade usually, though. Because we, on the front end, before we're dating, we're serving each other. We're preferring each other. We believe the best about each other. Then we get married, and all of a sudden, pride starts slipping in, and what I want becomes more important. And little by little, the decay sets in. And it leads to destruction. Maybe it doesn't lead to divorce, but it leads to a completely sterile marriage that can't do anything for the kingdom. Because you have two people stuck in pride, or maybe one person stuck in pride, and the other is just stuck. I believe, guys, prophetically speaking, some of you, that applies to you. Hear me in grace. I am not condemning you. I've had issues of pride. Ask my wife. <laughs> She's right here on the front row. I've had to repent this year of pride. Part of this process I've been walking through has had me, God, show me some things that I've had to go to her and say, I'm sorry. I was a jerk. I'm sorry I didn't see it. And some of the result and the fruit of today is going to be there. For some of you, if you will lean into this, look at your relationships and your marriages. You need to, there's some apologizing that needs to happen. There's some pride that needs to get checked and humility that needs to be practiced. And the amazing thing is that when we do it, there's grace. There's healing. There's restoration. Amen. Amen. Pride always leads to destruction. 
pride tops the list of sins that God hates. And most of us are familiar with Proverbs 6, 16. But the first thing on the list on the things that God hates is a proud look. If he hates a proud look, what must he think of some of the other things he sees us do? But that's just, when, when you talk about hate, that's a strong word. But God hates pride. Why? Because it destroys his kids. He hates it because it hurts us. He hates it because he had to cast Satan out of heaven, Lucifer out of heaven, to eliminate it, that the overthrow that was going to happen, because Satan's so good, he convinced a third of the angels of heaven to go with him. Right? If he can, if he can do that, if he can be, if he can be self-deceived and ultimately deceive a third of heaven to go into a coup against the Lord God, do you think he can manipulate us? Do you think he can swindle us? You, dang Skippy, he can. The danger of pride in the Bible, in the biblical sense, refers to being so preoccupied with yourself that you, your mind never turns to God and your heart never seeks him. I'm going to say that again. Part of the danger of pride in the biblical sense refers to being so preoccupied with yourself that your mind never turns to God and your heart never seeks him. Psalm 10.4 says, The wicked in his, his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. That's what pride does. If you tolerate pride, it will destroy you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly walk you through a few examples. Everybody okay? Yeah. Okay, take a deep breath. <laughs> okay. Everybody okay? Yes. Everybody still with me? Yeah. I didn't see anybody run out yet. I saw Ethel grabbing her purse, but she's still here. Okay. We're going to get her. We're going to get her. All right. We're going to just, I'm just going to highlight a few. This is, so, this is eye exam. We're going to eye, we're taking the eye exam. Okay. Look at these with me and see if they apply to you in honesty. we got to be honest in church. Okay. Number one. Self-exaltation, pride that takes all the credit. It's the athlete who yells, I'm the greatest. It's the scientist who proclaims, I'm the smartest. It's the politician who brags, I'm the sole reason for our success. We certainly have that today. Galatians 6.3 says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, Paul says he deceives himself. Anybody ever thought you were something? <laughs> Uh, you know, that's a whole other story. Yeah, we've all been there, right? We've all, we've all been there, but we deceive ourselves. James 1.16 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brother, brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from where? From above. We're just stewards here, guys. The stuff we get, the, the gifts we have, the health we have, those are gifts. We didn't deserve them. We didn't earn them. They were free gifts from, from God. So don't, again, we got to get over ourselves. Everybody, in this culture, everybody thinks they're, they're special. And we are in God's sight. Much like in, in my, my home, you know, my kids, they're the apple of my eye. 
even when they screw up, <laughs> right? But we have to get over ourself. The second thing is self-promotion, pride that seeks out and looks for credit from other people. When we float our success so that others compliment us, Jesus severely chastised those who paraded their righteous behavior to promote getting a gain of attention. Matthew 6, 1, I'm not going to read the whole passage here, but he's talking here about um, the Pharisees practicing their righteousness in front of everyone. And um, they were the ones that were dropping coins into the offerings that people could hear the clank. And they were the ones that when they were fasting, they'd put ash on their face and moan and groan. All right, you get nothing. No kingdom credit from that kind of behavior, okay? Because it's prideful. God hates it. He won't even look at it. Amen? Um, we had a guy one time. Uh, he's long since gone, so I can talk about him namelessly. But we had a leadership program one time that a bunch of our team went through, our, our core people. And at the end of it, they were to pick a place in the church to serve. And when the time came, one of the options, or one of the only options, I think at the time that was available was working in Pathway Kids at check-in, or if, I, if memory serves, doing something like that. And this was the response from this person when that was asked of him. Oh, I, I don't do that. I, I'm platform ministry. Not here. <laughs> because, I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious pride. Some prides are less, a lot more subtle. But in leadership, when you see people seeking platform, that's the quickest way to destruction. Because they got pride issues and they don't even know it. And he left because we didn't put him on the platform. But um, be aware. Uh, third, third type, self-justification. And that's what many of us have struggled with. Pride that suggests we can somehow earn favor or right standing with God by our actions, by our works. Self-righteousness. Our right standing is only available solely through the work of Christ. Nothing that we do. Amen? Amen. Jesus in Luke 18 talks about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And again, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through this whole account. But what he's, the point he's making here is there's a Pharisee who's, who's praying, God, I thank you that I am not like this guy. Because I tithe and because I do all the religious things, I'm so thankful I'm not like him. And this, the tax collector is over here throwing himself at the feet of Jesus, repenting. And Jesus is response was, I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The way up in the kingdom is down. And you've heard me say this a bunch, the, the kingdom is always backwards of the world. The way up in the kingdom is down in humility. Pride leads to what? Destruction. Man, you guys are good. Uh, defensiveness. This was my big issue. Still is. I work. I have to work on this because there was a situation earlier this year where this is one of the repenting things I had to do with with Elena, um, where she was trying to help and she made me aware of something that uh, just just real quickly the story uh, we took out a small note on Jackson's car and it had been about time we, you know, the note should have probably been paid off, but she, she texted me and said, Hey, why don't you check on that? Uh, because I think that should be paid off by now. Pretty benign thing, right? 
the emotion that rose up in me, it caught me off guard. And I was sitting in the office actually praying and reading my Bible when I got that, <laughs> that message. And, I, and that, that's why I think it was so clear to me. I was like, why did I feel that way? Because what I felt was this sense of, why is she questioning me? Just being honest, it's real today, guys. Just saying, I'm telling on me. But I sat there in the office as I was trying to, I started typing a response and I erased it. And I was like, God, what is wrong with me? Why, why, did, why did that cause that? And we worked, we, we're still working on that, just to be honest with you. But what, it, what the root was, was insecurity in me that was shielded with pride. And so defensiveness, if you catch yourself, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, especially you guys. When your wife brings something to you, can you receive it? And that's a prophetic word for some folks in here too, I believe, is hear that. We've got we've to have a, a, a spirit of humility and, and humbleness in our relationships. And none of us are perfect. We don't, none of us get that deal. But we've got to keep the... The, the lens of the Holy Spirit, we've got to allow that, that lens to, be, to shine brightly inside of our lives. So when we have those moments like I had where it was like, <gasps> what was that? We go, Jesus, show me what that is. And just, again, I'm still working on it. I've been talking with the counselor about it, as a matter of fact, because I'm like, God, I want to find the root of it. I want to tear it up. I want to burn it down. Amen? All right, that's all me telling about myself. Um, if you want to verify it, ask Elaine after service. Um, Self-degradation, pride that tears themselves down with the goal of being trying to draw attention to yourself, whether knowingly or unknowingly. But how many know those people, and I'm not, not mad at these people, obviously, but people who tend to live in victimhood. And they need people to rally to their aid. They need people to affirm them. And some of that's just the, de the deficit of the human condition. So there's no condemnation for people like that. But we have to recognize that this doesn't usually present itself as pride very clearly because it looks kind of like humility almost, but it's not. Because again, the end result is I'm trying to get attention from a deficit in me, again, with pride as a primary component. Uh, Self-condemnation, uh, pride when we judge ourselves harshly, when we have a standard higher than God's, right? Anybody had that standard before? Your standard's higher than his? Well, he can't forgive me for that. I've gone too far. That doesn't sound prideful, maybe, to the naked eye, but when we condemn ourselves, we, we prioritize our judgment over God's. And it's pride, because it's holding a higher standard than God's got for us. There's a lot more, but those are, I just want to kind of put those in front of you. Again, eye exam. We're, we're self-examining. And I'm about to kind of bring us home on this and get to the word that I have for you. But I just want to remind you, God hates pride because it destroys his kids. Think of Lucifer, Adam, and Eve, the pride of wanting to be like God, know as much as God, Cain and Abel, um, almost Paul, Saul of Tarsus, almost, almost him. 
but he hates it because it destroys his kids. Proverbs 8.13 says, to fear the Lord's to hate evil. He says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Proverbs 16.5 says, the Lord detests the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. And I know that's hard, guys, but it's just the attitude of God towards pride. We've got to catch that today. It, we play around with it in this culture. It's not to be toyed with. It's something we have to daily, every single day. I've found myself every day in the last two months praying, God, if there's any pride in me, show it to me. Like on my face, on the floor of my office, God, I don't want anything in me to lift itself up. And going through last year, just to be honest with you, I never had this on my radar, but when I was in front of you guys speaking every single week, about two months in, I started feeling pride because I had everybody pat me on the back and tell me what a great job I'd done. And there was a moment in my prayer time where it was like, oh my, and I told Marty, I said, dude, I get it. You know, because he, he'd had this conversation with me before too. He was like, you have to check your heart. You have to guard your heart because that's, it's Satan's work. He'll find a way. We've all been in churches or we've seen failures in pastors that started well. What happened? They were sincere. They meant well. What happened? Pride worked its way in. And pride what? Leads to destruction. So recap, pride bad. <laughs> pride leads to destruction. I think we got that, right? That's the eye exam part. The second talking point for us today is really just the word that I want to share with you, the word for today. The scripture I mentioned earlier, James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is a message so important that it appears three times in scripture this way, first in Proverbs 3 and then twice in the New Testament by James and Peter. So I'm going to ask my lovely assistant to come up, Pastor J-Dub. I want to show this one to you because I think it'll stick if, if we show it to you. So I picked J-Dub for a couple of reasons. One is because I love this guy. Um, two is because in the picture that we're about to kind of paint for you, he's going to represent Jesus. And in a way, and he also, uh, being a former college football player, uh, serves this role really well for me because he's a lot tougher and bigger than I am. <laughs> but also because he, he carries the heart uh, of Jesus with him everywhere he goes. And I've, and I've told him this, and I'm not trying to embarrass him, but, but it's true. So I want you guys to see him in that place. So come over here with me, Jesus. Um, when we get saved, we are so aware of our brokenness. We are so aware of our unworthiness, right? When we commit our lives to the Lord on that day, when we, when we kneel down in humility, there's a moment that happens in our faith, in our walk with Jesus, where he comes and he positions himself right in front of us. Right, right here at this moment, he comes, he comes right beside us, and he stands in front of us, and he begins making a way for us. And so I am early in my salvation. Here's, here's the, the, the catch this. You got to see this. 
It's easy to be humble at the beginning because we got nothing, right? But filthy rags and all of our sin and all of our junk. The problem comes as we keep walking this out because there's a point where the Bible says knowledge puffs up. There's a point where we start thinking we deserve some credit for something. And as we're walking along, we're doing well. He's going before us. You know, Jada was a lead blocker in college. So just have that visual in your mind as we're going. He's clearing the path for me, okay? And then there's a day where I get to a point where I start feeling a little bit full of myself. And I start thinking, you know, I'm pretty good. Like I kind of got this church thing figured out, or I kind of got this pastor thing figured out, or... Man, I'm, I, I've heard people say this, and it makes my skin crawl. That You know, I'm, I'm one of the more spiritually mature people in this place. Like, you know, um, that's where the Pharisees were. But what happens when that day occurs is what I'm illustrating in this scripture in James 4, 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When I turn to pride... And I start letting that take root in me. All of a sudden, what was easy, I, I, can't, I, can't get, I can't get through there. Here's what I want you to see, though. Listen. <laughs> He's not going to hurt me, I promise. Uh, <laughs> let me turn this way so they can come. <laughs> Here's what I want you to see. You got to see this, guys. Get it. You got to see this. When I'm... When I'm a, and now in opposition, here's the image of God I had before when I heard this preached in earlier in my life. I saw God in this position as this very angry, very frustrated, very condemning posture because now I'm against him. And that word does, does kind of uh, indicate adversarial, an adversarial position when you look at the, the Greek and Hebrew and all that. But but what, I, what we know is God's motive is always the same, yes. right? Yes. For God so loved yes. the world. Yes. God's never motivated by anger right. or frustration. So the difference in my picture in my mind that I had before and the picture I have now is that now, while God's opposing me, Jesus is opposing me, and I'm trying, I'm trying to get through, and I'm stuck, and it's not working, and my marriage is struggling, and I'm stuck in my job, and I'm having issues with my kids, and I've got all these things going the wrong direction, and I can't get past this, no matter how hard I try, this dude's stout, like, I, I, can't get, <laughs> I can't get past him. I start getting mad at him. God, why won't you let me past here? Jesus, why can't I get, I need to get there. Financially, I, I need to get there. I want this thing. I need this to validate who I am. You know that I've wanted that my whole life, or you know I've wanted that relationship my whole life, but why, why won't you let me, let me through? And the, the reason, the motive, is because he loves me too much. Because what I can't see is on the other side of him is a cliff that I'm about to go off of. Amen? So for you, this, this, is, this is the moment. If you've missed everything else I've said, I want you to hear this from me. What we have to do in this situation when we're frustrated and we're stuck and we're upset and we're angry and things aren't going right, and maybe things are going right in every other area of your life except for one. Take a look at that one. 
but you're frustrated, you're disappointed, you're disillusioned. You can't figure out what's going on. I'm telling you, with high likelihood, because it's been my story, that maybe the problem is pride. Here's the amazing thing. If I can take that awareness now that I have, and I can go, I can now see, God allows me, as I step back from my pride, to see the cliff. And I get down on my knees again, and I humble myself before him. What happens? Jesus, I'm sorry. I messed up. I need you to forgive me. I submit my pride to you. My humility, in humility, Lord God, I, I give you everything I am, everything I'm not. I want you to be in charge. I want you to take the wheel. And whatever that prayer sounds like, when I get up, what just happened? He's on offense with me again. Here's the, here's the, the end of this. As, again, daily, guys. You've got to check your pride at the door every day. Daily, I've got to do some semblance of that same purpose, execute that same heart to stay in humility because I don't want God opposing me. I want to be in what he's doing. And so Jadav, just as, as he did in college and as he's doing in the spirit as Jesus this morning, he starts clearing the way ahead of me. But now he's clearing the way. Maybe the, maybe the place that I wanted to go was the place God spoke to me that I was going to go. Maybe it was purpose. Maybe it was destiny. But I was going to take the wrong road. Or I was going to get ahead of God's timing. Now all of a sudden, when I've repented and I've humbled myself before him, he's now my lead blocker again. But now he's leading me the way I should go. And the difference now is, whereas before I would have gone off the cliff, now he's taken me and guided me down the steps. He's guided me down the path that I'm supposed to take. And he's clearing obstacles out of my way. He's, he's clearing out the enemy. All the, thing, all the tools of the, the devil that he would try to throw in our way or try to manipulate us with or try to distract us with, he's clearing because I'm in humility before him. But the moment I step into pride, out of love, he has to oppose us. Not because he's angry, but because he loves Amen. Thank you, bud. That picture for many of you hit home. And kind of connected to the, the heart that we have for you as a, as a leadership team and as a church family, this church and all of you, you have a calling and a, and a destiny on you, just like other churches. And we're not super special. We're just one of many. But in this house, we're responsible uh, as your leaders to, to be humble. And I can tell you, for the last few months, I could go around my entire staff team virtually, and there have been conversations in my office and oversight meetings about God bringing up issues, pride issues, um, bringing 
things to the surface that were issues with coworkers or, or in marriages. But what's amazing about it is as we started opening up to each other and praying over those things for each other, God started healing those things. Because leadership's got to go first. We don't get a special deal, but we do set the tone for the house. And so we're inviting you into what we've already been doing. Putting our pride aside, we're getting over ourselves. Amen? Where I kind of wanted to land the plane, if you will, and my, my notes are a train wreck, so sorry, guys. We're, we're off script. Um, I want to bring this back to the point in this bigger picture of if we're talking about revival, the series of summer revival, I kind of subtitled this where revival must begin. It's got to begin at home. We can want souls to pour through the back doors. We can want for miracles and healings supernaturally to occur in our services. We can want for people to be driving down the road and just be compelled by the Holy Spirit to come in and give their hearts to Jesus. But if we're not submitted in humility, and if our homes aren't healed and healthy, that can't happen. It can't. So here's my appeal to you, and this is where this connects to this bigger story of our church family and the way forward. How many would, in all honesty, with what you understand about what revival means, how many would say that I want revival? I believe, I believe all of you do. What is revival? It's, it's pretty simple. I, I love the way Charles Spurgeon puts it. To live again... To receive again a life which has almost expired, to rekindle into a flame the vital spark which was nearly extinguished. Revival begins in humility. And here's my point. Second Chronicles 7:14. I've never seen this until studying for this message. But this is, you all, you all know it. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will hear, heal their land. Here's the second word for us today as a church family, because that's where our responsibility lies. In this generation, what I heard the Lord saying was, my people who are called by my name haven't fulfilled the first condition. If we want to see revival, real revival, where God messes up the church services, lost prodigals come home, people walk in here with, with diseases and issues, where creative miracles happen, where our shadow passes by somebody and they get healed. If we really want to see that, what I'm submitting to you today is that we've got to do the first thing. What does that look like? We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to get over ourselves. Because just to be honest, we've all got eye trouble. Don't we? Revival begins with the loss of importance of ourselves and being consumed 
by the importance and love for others. If I'm all about me, I'm selfish. If I'm all about you, that's where humility is found. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Why don't you just stand with me? Everybody okay? Nobody left that I saw. Some of our serve teams having to go out and prepare. I want to thank you for hanging in this. I want to thank you for taking the eye exam with me. But if all you do is hear this, it won't make a difference. What I, what I want for you today is something similar to what's been going on in my own heart. I want you to apply this, and I want it to make a difference. I want it to change you. I want you to get up tomorrow and not be worried about you. I want you to get up tomorrow being full of excitement about how you're going to love everybody else around you. I want you excited about the purpose of God that he's got for you. Because with kingdom purposes and kingdom values, the way up is down. Amen. All right. I want to do two things as we close. One is I want us to repent as a church. And I'm right there with you. It's something Pastor and I have talked about and that we as a staff, as I mentioned, we've been really focused on is getting over ourselves. So I want us to do that first, and then we'll, we'll finish probably a little differently than I originally planned. But I want you to pray with me. Father, we, we repent of our pride. We repent of getting things out of order. Lord, out of doing things out of convenience. Lord, for doing things that weren't kingdom, for, for getting too involved in our own affairs, our own wants, our own, want, own desires, and forsaking the things that, that you called us to do, Lord, our first love. So we just, as a church family, we repent today. Lord, we want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. And we know for us what that means is we got to turn inside out. We've got to get outside just like we have been endeavoring to do in our outreaches and so many other areas. We, we as a church want to step into a new season of giving and serving and loving people like we never have. And so we, we, look, we ask that as we look back on this day, that this will be an altar-building moment, that we'll see that something shifted here, that going forward, we were never the same, that our church family was never the same, that our motives and our heart and all the things that you've called us to do, all that aligns with your kingdom. And we thank you that we're going to see it. We thank, you, we thank you, Father, for your mercy, for your grace, that you're so long-suffering that you give us unconditional love. In Jesus' name.
Amen. There are a couple of groups specifically that I wanted to, to pray for. And I mentioned a couple in my messages, the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me, but I first want to pray for husbands and wives because it's, it's a struggle. It is, especially in our world today. So to keep the right priorities and to, and to believe and see the best in your spouse all the time instead of the worst. We just got to do it every day. Some of you, I believe with all my heart, leaving here today, your marriages will be restored. Maybe not all in one big miraculous wave of the hand. Maybe so. I'm not going to limit God. But it'll be the beginning of a new season in your marriage. That we, My challenge to you, couples, listen to me. Don't lose. You've come this far. Don't tune me out. Look in each other's eyes at some point today and say, I'm sorry. And just let it flow, whatever it is. And here's what I'll promise you will happen. That wall will crack and light will come in and healing can happen. That's your homework from the eye exam today. Guys, because if the devil hates marriage, he hates it because it's the very model God orchestrated to set up our relationship with Jesus. He hates it. He will find a way to wedge in a little pride or that negativity, that assuming the worst of our spouse by their every action instead of assuming the best. And I want our marriages to be healed and whole and healthy and thriving. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me real quick. I'm completely off script at this point. Thank you for your patience. It's too important. I want to pray for you. So if that's, if that's you in any way, severe or not, but something that God's speaking to your heart. I want you to stretch your hand toward me and I'm going to pray over you. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you see these hands and the ones that want to raise them that can't for whatever the reason may be. Father, I pray today will be a turning point for change. Lord, as they make this step towards you in humility that we as husbands would repent for our pride and arrogance, our know-it-all spirit. Lord, that we as wives would repent for the same things. Lord, for, for anything that causes division and disunity in the home, we plead your blood over those marriages, Father, that today would be a new day, that there would be wholeness and healing ministered to the, all the marriages in our church family, in this room, online, and beyond. Let it be done today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want our prayer team to come on down. Here's what I want to ask you to do, guys, because 
run later than I intended. When I dismiss you, if this message has spoken to your heart in a way that you need to take the walk down this aisle and just make a commitment to the Lord that it's gonna be different from this day forward, I want you to take the walk. He walked down that road for us. He hung on a cross naked for us and took an unbelievable beating publicly. So I don't think it's asking too much for us just to take that little walk down the aisle down here and just commit to him that today it's gonna be different. From today forward, it's gonna be different. I'm gonna humble myself before the Lord. I'm gonna receive his grace, amen. So let me pray over you. Father, I just seal our time with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I've done my best. I know it's not perfect, but you told me it didn't have to be. So I just pray that the, the hearts that you want to have respond to this word today would be pricked, that they would come forward, that they'd receive prayer, and that healing would come today. Restoration would come today. Your grace would come today. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Yeah, you can give Jesus a praise for his work today on us. You survived it, guys. Man, I'm proud of you guys because that was not for the week. Hey, I love you. We are here for you beyond today. If you need help, reach out to us, reach out to our leadership, whatever you need, we're available for you. And if you need prayer, please come down. Don't miss this opportunity. We love you. Be safe. We'll see you next week and continue to pray for all those that are sick in our church family. Thank you.